morning as Community of Grace Baptist Church is gathered together to uh, to worship, and uh, uh, this is Fourth of July weekend where we uh, pause to celebrate and remember our our independence and our God's blessings on us as as Americans, and so it's good to be able to gather together in freedom and to uh, and to worship and to each of us be able to come and bring our our copy of God's Word and to have it and to proclaim it and preach it freely and so we're thankful for that uh, that grace and that uh, that privilege that we have this morning and we remember those who have sacrificed those uh, sailors and soldiers airmen and Marines who have uh, uh, have served to protect and defend our uh, our country and our freedom so we we pause and give thanks to God for for our nation and for our, our freedom that we enjoy. And are there, uh, are there prayer requests, are there prayer concerns that we can share together today as we, as we meet? She attention to the book of Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And then in verse 17, he says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then in verse 37, he says, Therefore, you shall observe all my statutes and all my commandments and perform them. I am the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, we gathered together today to offer you our praise and our worship. And Lord, we just pause at the beginning of this service to remember that you, you, the Lord our God, you are holy. You are holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is full of your glory. And we give you praise because you are holy. You are beautiful, you are powerful, you are sovereign, and you are merciful and gracious. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and your kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we pray that as we worship this day, that your Holy Spirit would enable us and empower us to be the kind of worshipers after which you seek. Lord, help us to be those who will offer you worship in spirit, and in truth. And we pray that Christ would be honored and exalted and glorified and that we would be changed to be more like him. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to take out your hymnals and turn with me to him. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. As we turn to the Word of God, this is the the highlight, the climax of our worship as we tune our hearts to hear the Lord of glory speak to us, our creator, our sustainer, our savior, our deliverer has spoken to us in a way that is perfect and been preserved for us in his word, his holy word. And so we come to the time of our service where we pause and we listen as the Lord of glory speaks to us 
through his word. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, the first verse. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one should bear his own load. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are thankful that you have spoken to us perfectly and clearly through your word. And Lord, we come before your word confessing that it is perfect, but our understanding of it is not. We are dependent upon you, the ministry of your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, to open our hearts and minds to truth and to help us understand and perceive the truth and importantly, to help us apply the truth to our lives. And so Lord, we pray that your spirit would do his work in us his convicting work, convicting us of sin that must be battled and put to death, and convincing us of the truth of the gospel that Jesus has shed his blood, given his life, laid down his life, and risen from the dead so that we might have forgiveness and grace, and that we might be empowered by your Holy Spirit to walk in truth by your grace through our faith in Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. All right, so last week we looked at the... Uh, beginning of this passage, we looked at uh, the first two verses, and we saw that it is the duty and the obligation and the responsibility of the church that when one of the members, one of our brothers and sisters, is overtaken in a trespass, caught in a sin, it is the duty, the obligation, the responsibility of those who are spiritual within the church to restore such a one in a spirit of grace, a spirit of gentleness, and also watchfulness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And as I thought about this this week, you know, I thought one of the things, having been a Southern Baptist pastor for 25 years, one of the things that I've noticed that the church is not, uh, Southern Baptist churches, traditional Southern Baptist churches are not really good at, that is, uh, when a man, a brother or sister is overtaken into trespass, restoring such a one in such a spirit of, in a spirit of gentleness and watchfulness, considering yourself recognizing your weakness lest you also be tempted. I've noticed about, about four ways that churches typically deal with a sinning brother or sister, one who is caught in a sin, overtaken by a trespass. Number one, the first thing that I've noticed, the most primary, the most common response is just to ignore it. It's not my problem. It's not affecting me. It doesn't have anything to me. It's none of my business. I'm just going to stay out of it. I'm just not going to worry about it. It doesn't affect me, and so I'm just going to let it go. Another response is kind of, kind of uh, uh, similar. I'm not going to do anything about it, but I'm just going to abandon him. He has been overtaken in a trespass. He's gotten off the course. We're just going to abandon him off to the side as we continue the race, and we're just uh, he has made his bed. Now let him sleep in it. Uh, so uh, we can either ignore him, we can abandon him. And then the third response that I have seen in my experience is that uh, sometimes when a brother or sister is overtaken in a trespass, caught in a sin, getting off track, uh, 
the response of the church is to crush that one. There's gossip and slander and a crushing instead of a gracious encouraging. So many times those who need encouragement and admonition and counsel, we respond with condemnation and judgment. And so there's abandon, there's ignoring, there's abandoning, and there's crushing. But there is a fourth option, and that's the option that Paul gives us in our text today. He says in verse 6, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That was our text last week, and we talked about the obligation uh, of the church, that, that growth in holiness, growth in godliness, growth in purity is a group project. It's a community effort. Growing in holiness, growing in per, per purity, growing in godliness is something that I cannot do on my own. And I need brothers and sisters to come alongside of me and, and help me bear that burden. Bear that burden of growing in godliness and purity and holiness. That's why we need the church. That's why we need a community of grace. That's why we need a family of faith. Because holiness is a group project. I can't accomplish it on my own. Nor can I do battle with and put sin to death on my own. Battling sin, crucifying sin, putting sin to death, mortifying sin, and growing in holiness and purity is a group project that is a burden that we share, a burden that we bear together. And if a man, a brother or sister is overtaken in a trespass, we have a duty and an obligation and a responsibility as a church to, to do what we can to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, but also considering our own selves. And so that's what Paul told us last week, you know, when we come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, when we turn from our sin and put our trust in Christ, he calls us to himself, but he also calls us to family. He calls us to community. Uh, when we come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, we are adopted into the family of God, and we've got brothers and sisters. We are living stones being built together in a spiritual house with Christ the foundation stone, but we are all living stones being built together in that, in that, uh, in, in that spiritual house. We are soldiers in the army of God. We are community, a faith family, and we have a duty and an obligation and a responsibility to one another to help each other and to bear the burden of growing in holiness and battling sin and putting it to death. That's our responsibility. And we're to do it in a spirit of gentleness. And so last week we, spoke, we, we focused on the obligation, the duty. Today we will focus on that spirit. And as we go through, Paul gives us three keys to gentleness. He tells us we are to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then in verses 3, 4, and 5, he gives us three keys to gentleness. Number one, the first key to restoring a brother or sister who has been overtaken in a trespass in a spirit of gentleness is to have a right view of yourself. To have a right view of yourself. Look what he says in verse 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, 
when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so the first key of restoring a, a brother or sister who's been overtaken in a trespass, the first key to doing that in gentleness, the first key is to have a right view of yourself. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So we need to have a right view of ourselves. We are all sinful. We are all sinners in need of God's grace. We are all sinners in need of mercy. God created each of us in his own image so that we could know him. But each of us rebelled against God. We sinned against God. We fell short of his glory. Each of us deserve nothing from God except his wrath. We deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. We sin every single day. We sin in thought. We sin in attitude. We sin in word. We sin in action. We fall short of God's standard. We sin every day. And so we must first have an accurate view of ourselves. We see ourselves as sinners desperately in need of God's grace. There is not a single day in my life that I do not need the forgiveness that Jesus provided for me on the cross. On my very best day, I, I still need forgiveness. I still need the cleansing that Jesus provided for me on the cross. My very best works are still tainted with sin. And so I have to have an accurate view of myself that I am so helpless and so hopeless that the only hope for me was for God the Son, the Son of God, to leave the glory of heaven, to become a man, to come in this, this world, uh, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to do what I could not do, to earn righteousness through his perfect obedience to the law, to, to, to earn righteousness, what I could not earn, to earn in my place so that could be credited to me. I was so helpless and hopeless that the only hope for me was for God the Son, the Son of God, to live a sinless life and then to die on a cross to pay a debt that I owed that I could never pay. To die on the sin, to die on the cross, to satisfy God's wrath, God's judgment for the sins of every single person who would come in repentance and faith. And so the first key of gentleness is for me to see myself as I am. I am a sinner. I fall short of God's holy standard. I am helpless and hopeless. There is nothing I can do to save myself. But in God's great grace, he sent Jesus. Jesus earned righteousness, took the penalty that I owed, and God raised him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted and God's wrath has been turned away. And God sent his Holy Spirit to call us to repent and believe and to put our trust in Jesus and in him alone. Anything that we have, anything that we are, is a gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Any good work we do is done in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we must have an accurate view of ourselves, sinners saved by grace. And one commentator put it in a way more eloquent than I ever could. He said, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're beggars. We're beggars who have been given... Freely given a feast, a, a great feast. But over time, we have a tendency to think that somehow we purchased that food. We prepared that food. We cooked that food. We served that food that was given to us freely by God's grace. We have a tendency over time to think that somehow we provided this feast that's been given to us freely. And then we look down 
on other beggars who come in looking for food. But we must have a right view of ourselves. We are beggars. Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we have the potential to become is a gift of God's grace that we receive freely through our faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Any good work we do is a work that is done in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are helpless and hopeless sinners that have been saved by God's grace. We are in need of mercy. We are in need of forgiveness. We are in need of grace. And if we are going to help a brother or sister who has been overtaken in a trespass, if we're going to do that in a spirit of gentleness, we must first have an accurate view of ourselves. We are sinful. Everything we do is tainted by sin. And all that we are is a gift of God's mercy and grace, a grace that we have freely received. We have done nothing to earn it and nothing to deserve it. And so the first key to gentleness and restoration is to have a right view of yourself. The second key to gentleness, to restoring a brother or sister who's been overtaken in a trespass in a spirit of gentleness, the second key is to have a right view of your work. You must have a right view of yourself. Second, you must have a right view of your work. Look at verse 4. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. I must have a right view of my work. And that means I must take my works and hold them up, not against my brother or sister. I can't hold my work up against that brother or sister that's been overtaken in trespass and say, look, at least my work is better than his. At least my work is better than hers. My brother or sister is not the standard. I must take my work and carefully hold it up uh, the word examine means to make a close inspection and an examination, to look at it very closely. And I must hold up my work against the perfect law of God and the person and work of Jesus. My brother or sister who's been over and taken a trespass is not the standard. Jesus Christ is the standard. And so I can't examine my work by comparing myself to other people I examine my work by comparing it to the perfect law of God and the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is the standard. And so I must examine my work by that standard. And when I examine my, my work by the standard of the law of God, I see that I fall short. That on my very, my, very, my very best day, I need the cross. I need cleansing. I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I need grace every single day. I need the forgiveness that Jesus provided for me on the cross because my work falls far short of God's holy standard. I sin every single day in my thoughts and my attitudes and my words and my actions and my deeds. And I need to examine my work by the law of God and by the person and work of Jesus, and recognize that any good that might be done has not been done in my strength or my power, but in Christ alone through the power of the Holy Spirit. Any good that has been done was not because of my effort, but because of God's grace working through His Holy Spirit. We must 
examine our work. Because if we're self-righteous and we somehow think that we have earned God's acceptance or we somehow think that we have prepared this meal that has been given to us freely, if we somehow think that by our effort we have earned salvation or we are growing in holiness because of our self-effort, because of our own righteousness, then we will have a tendency to look down on our brother or sister. But if our, if our heart is, is craving for true righteousness, the righteousness that was fulfilled by Jesus Christ and it's given to us as a free gift as God credits the righteousness of Christ to us, then we will be able to restore, help restore our brother in a spirit of gentleness. If I deal with that beam in my own eye, that beam of self-righteousness, then I can see clearly to help my brother and to restore him, seek to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We must have an accurate view of our own work. And Paul says something that, that when we first read it, it kind of surprises us. He says, let each one examine in his own word, then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. Now that word translated rejoicing is translated boasting later in the chapter. And so we are to uh, understand that passage in light of what Paul says later. We, we don't examine our works and be satisfied and rejoice in that and boast in that. No, what, what does Paul tell us in verse 14? Paul says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so when I examine my work by the law of God, in the person and work of Jesus, I see that I fall short. But I see that because of Christ and his cross, I can be forgiven and born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, indwelt by the Holy Spirit in any good work I do. It's because of my union with Christ and the Spirit of God working through me, may I never boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. May that be my source of boasting, that I have looked to Jesus for righteousness. I have looked to Jesus for forgiveness. I have looked for Jesus for cleansing. And Jesus in his Holy Spirit for the power to grow in godliness and to battle sin in my life. Let me boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me rejoice in the cross of Christ and that alone. And so he says, examine your work and you'll have rejoicing in yourself alone and not in another. And so I think in the, the churches in Galatia, there were probably two ways that people were, were boasting uh, in another. There's two ways that uh, in our sinfulness we can uh, uh, not really closely examine our work, but we can examine it in relationship to others. One of the ways that we can rejoice in others or boast in others is uh, uh, not having an accurate view of our work. Not comparing it to the right standard, the standard of God's law and the standard of, uh, of, of Jesus Christ and his who he is and his work. But we can sometimes sinfully rejoice in another by comparing ourselves to others and seeing that we do better. 
I'm better than that guy. At least I'm not as bad as that one that's been overtaken uh, in a trespass. And we compare ourselves to another and we judge others more severely than we judge ourselves. We apply the law more stringently to, to others than we apply to ourselves. We focus on where we're strong and they're weak. And we judge ourselves comparing ourselves to another. And therefore we boast, we rejoice in another because we seem to be doing better. And so Paul tells us that's not what we are to do. We are not to compare ourselves to another. We are to examine our work in the light of Jesus Christ and the perfect law of God. We see that we fall short and any good that God has, uh, that is produced is a work of God, a work of Christ, a work of the Holy Spirit that is a gift to me by his grace. And I do not compare myself to another, so I do not rejoice in another. There's another way that we might boast in another that Paul cautions us against. He does it later in the chapter. And I think it was really happening in the churches in Galatia. In verse 13, later in the chapter, he says, For even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so we talked about it a lot in Galatians. There were these false teachers that came, and they were preaching a false gospel, a gospel that's no good news at all. They were preaching grace plus law, faith plus works, Christ plus self-effort. Instead of the gospel that Paul brought, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone, these false teachers were coming and preaching salvation by grace plus law, faith plus works, Jesus Christ plus self-efforts. Paul says that is a false gospel, and anyone who preaches that should be accursed. But these people were boasting in their converts, those that they were winning over to their side. Paul says they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so one of the ways that we might boast of others is how good we are at winning arguments and bringing people over to our side and convincing people that we're right and we're good and, and counting numbers and counting noses and counting people that, that uh, how many people we can convince that we're right, how many arguments we can win, how many people we can get to agree with us, how many people I can get to follow my rules and my regulations instead of submitting to Christ. And so Paul says the key to gentleness is not boasting in another, not comparing myself to another so I can boast because I'm doing better, or not boasting in that how many people I'm winning over to my side that I'm convincing that I'm right, no, I should examine my work by the law of God and by the person and work of Jesus Christ and see that I fall short and any good that, that is produced is a gift of God, the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit working in and through me. And so I have an examination of my work that on my best day, I'll fall short of God's holy standard and any good that there is has been a work of God's grace. My union with Christ, the Holy Spirit working in me, any good is the result of that. And so I boast only in the cross of Christ, by which I have been forgiven, cleansed, and given the Holy Spirit, empowering me to do that which is pleasing in His sight. And so if we're going to restore one who's been overtaken in a trespass in a spirit of gentleness, first we have to have a right view of ourselves. We are nothing 
Apart from Jesus, we are nothing. We can do nothing. We are nothing. And we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Second, we have to have a right understanding of our work. Our work falls short. Any work I do in my own effort falls short of God's holy standard. Any good that is produced is a gift of God's grace, a free banquet, food that has been given to this helpless, hopeless beggar. I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. It's a gift of God's grace. And then third, we have to have a right understanding of our own responsibility. Of our own responsibility, our own duty, our own obligation. And so he says it in verse 5. Look at verse 5. For each one shall bear his own load. Each one shall bear his own load. Now we, we look up at verse 2 and we see bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But then we see verse 5, but each one should bear his own load. And so we have seen that overcoming sin, doing battle with sin, putting it to death, is a group project. It's not something we can do on our own. We need the body of Christ. We need the family of faith. We need the community of grace. We need the, 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 the spiritual house. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us bear that burden. And we've also seen that our growth in holiness and purity and maturity, all of that, is a group project. We need the accountability and the love and the support and the instruction of others in the body of Christ. We need, those, we need others to help us bear the burden of putting sin to death and growing in holiness. That's a burden that we share. But then Paul also says, we each should bear our own load. A different word to show us that there's no contradiction here. We have individual duty and responsibility. Me battling sin and putting it to death is a group project. I need your help. Me growing in holiness and growing in purity is a group project. I need your help. I need you to help me bear that burden to, to kill sin and grow in holiness. But ultimately, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. That's my load. It's a group project, but it's my load. It's my responsibility. And, and when I stand before Christ, when I stand before Christ, I will stand alone. And I won't be able to look around and say, at least I was better than that guy. I will stand alone. I, I won't be able to look around and blame somebody else for all those bad things that I did. Oh, it was my pastor's fault, or it's those hypocrites in the church. It's my parents, or it's the environment in which I was raised. I won't be able to blame anybody else. I won't be able to to put off my sin on anybody else. I won't be able to accuse anyone of, 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 of causing me to fall. I stand alone. I stand guilty. I stand condemned. And I cannot look at anybody else and say at least I'm better than them or what happened to me is their fault. I stand alone and I can even look at Jesus and receive his perfect righteousness as a gift of God's grace. I can trust in him and him alone, his sinless life, his atoning death, his glorious resurrection. I can look to Jesus 
and stand before the judge clothed in the per perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ as a gift of his grace that I receive freely through faith in Christ alone. Or I can look to myself in my own righteousness which appears as filthy rags I can stand before him condemned with nobody else to blame, nobody else to compare it to. Guilty. Filthy. And that's my responsibility and my duty to look to Christ and to be saved. And to recognize that that's my duty as a key to restoring my brother in gentleness. Because when I stand before the judge, I will stand as a sinner. And I do not want the full weight of my sin held against me on that day. I don't, I don't want God to look and see my sin. I want redemption. I want justification. I want forgiveness. I want mercy. I want grace. And if that's what I want, that's what I ought to give to others as much as I can. If I want mercy, I should be merciful. If I want forgiveness, I should be forgiving. If I want grace, I should be gracious. And that's what Paul tells us. He tells us in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He tells us in chapter 5, verse 13, what is the law of Christ? Verse 14 uh, verse 13, the law of Christ is through love to serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so one key to, the third key to restoring a brother in, in, uh, in gentleness, a brother or sister in gentleness, is to recognize my own load and to know that I need mercy so I should be merciful. I should treat my brother the way I want to be treated. I want mercy. I need to be merciful. I want forgiveness. I should be forgiving. I want grace. I should be gracious. And that's how we fulfill the law of Christ. Through love, serve one another. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And when I'm overtaken in a trespass, I want... You, my brothers and sisters, my community of grace, my faith family. I want you to run after me and restore me. Don't abandon me to the side. Don't ignore me that I've gotten off track. Don't crush me with slander and gossip and judgment and condemnation. Restore me in a spirit of gentleness. That's what I need. That's what I want. And if that's what I need and that's what I want, that's how I ought to respond to others. As a church, we have a duty and an obligation that if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual and who in the church are spiritual, Supposed to be everybody. Born of the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Having received mercy, being merciful. Having received forgiveness, being forgiven. Having received grace, being gracious. 
restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And Paul gives us three keys to restoring a sinning brother, sister, and gentleness. You've got to have a right view of yourself, a right view of your works, and a right view of your own duty and responsibility. Don't compare yourself to others. You stand alone, and alone you'll give an account. Not how others use their gifts in building up the body of Christ, but how you use your gifts in building up the body of Christ. That's your load. That's your responsibility. So how do we respond to this call, these three keys? Well, first of all, we ask, are you, are you spiritual? Have you been born again? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone for your salvation? Have you seen your helplessness and your hopelessness? That there's nothing you can do to earn salvation. There's nothing you can do to produce good and godly works. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You are a helpless and hopeless sinner. But God in His great love sent His Son Jesus to do what you could not do to fulfill righteousness, to earn righteousness for you in a sinless life, and then to pay the debt that you owed that you could never pay. He died on the cross to satisfy God's wrath against all who come to him in repentance and faith, and God raised him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted. And he calls on us to turn, to confess our helplessness and our hopelessness, to humble ourselves and to cry out, turn from our sin and cry out to Jesus to save us and trust him and him alone. And when we trust in Jesus, we're born again to new life, everlasting life. And the Holy Spirit produces His works in us. So the first question we have to ask is, are you spiritual? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone? Have you been born again? And then second, if, if you have been born again, you've received mercy. God has not given you what you deserve. Are you merciful to your brothers and sisters? You have received forgiveness. Are you forgiving toward your brothers and sisters? You have received grace. Are you gracious when you see a brother or sister overtaken in a trespass? Do you treat them as you want to be treated? With mercy, forgiveness, and grace, and gentleness? Burned for their restoration, for their repentance, for their recovery? Do we encourage those who are overtaken to turn? And do we do it in a spirit of gentleness? We need to daily examine our works, examine ourselves, examine our works, and when we see one overtaken in a, in, a, in a trespass, remove the beam from our own eye so that we might be see, see clearly to help our brother or our sister and treat them the way you would like to be treated. Don't ignore them. Don't abandon them. But don't, and don't crush them. But seek to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Having examined yourself, examined your work, examined your duty, restore them in a spirit of gentleness, treating them as you want to be treated. Let's pray together.
Lord God, we're so thankful for your word. And Lord, we are so thankful for your grace and your kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we admit our helplessness and our hopelessness, our utter and complete and total dependence on Jesus. We confess that there is not a single day that we do not meet the cross. How desperate, thank you for reminding us how desperately we need mercy and grace and forgiveness and cleansing. And thank you for reminding us that our greatest works are not done in ourselves, but are tainted with sin, but our greatest works are, our, our works are those that are produced from our union in Christ and by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that you help us as a church, as a body of Christ, to fulfill the responsibility of restoring and help us to do all that we do in a spirit of gentleness. Help us to treat others as we want to be treated. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite you to take your hymnal again and turn to him 200. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.